I'm Susan West, and this is the People and Profit Podcast. Yes, I said and. As business leaders, we should never have to choose between our people and our bottom line. I believe that you can lead with love while creating wealth. This is your opportunity to learn and grow with me. Thank you for joining me again. Hi, I'm Susan West here today filming another episode of People and Profit. What happens in the boardroom stays in the boardroom. And by the way, that's not because there's anything inappropriate happening in the boardroom. That's because of confidentiality. Part of the thing that I'm going to talk about today is proper behavior in the boardroom. But my question is, is it the boardroom or is it the boardroom? It's a little bit of both. Okay, the key points I want to make today when I talk about the boardroom, I want to talk about appropriate behavior and I want to talk about the challenges in the boardroom. So for me, I work for a Fortune 200 company. Part of my role running the East Coast of Florida is to be in the room with my peers. It could be mainly a lot of my peers are in Texas, right? A lot are in Florida. Some are throughout the country, but we sit in these meetings with colleagues, with peers, with executives at a higher level than we are. And sometimes I have to listen to people speak that I'm not really interested in what they have to say, but I need to stay engaged. And again, whether you're in the boardroom or not in the boardroom, that's a good tip wherever you are, to stay engaged conversationally, listening when other people are speaking, even if you're not a party to the conversation. So I think that's probably one of the most difficult things. And sometimes, believe it or not, it's like you're watching, right? You're in a meeting and you're just watching a conversation between an executive, an upper level executive in our company, and one of your peers or colleagues. You're not a party to the conversation, but you're watching a conversation happen. And it's important to stay engaged mentally and to stay engaged physically, meaning eye contact and not getting distracted at your own seat. The other thing is sometimes, and I know you all have experienced this, you might have a colleague or a peer or a subordinate where you feel you're smarter, sharper, more successful than they are. I'm here to tell you in the boardroom, especially from where I sit, I can always learn from other people. So it's my job to listen. It's my job to be engaged. It's my job to be interested. And it's my job to find a takeaway within their operation and what they're doing that I can bring back to mind, I can adopt, and I can improve. So I think it's also important. There's a difference between judging someone and discerning. And I think it's really important, again, to discern whether what they're doing or how they're doing it I could do better, but not with judgment. They have a seat at the same table I do. They must be there for a reason. So don't judge your peers. Don't judge your colleagues. Don't overjudge the executives that are above you. And it's really important, I think, to sit there with a discerning tone. And again, one that's engaged, one where you're listening to learn, one that you're listening to improve, but understanding that I don't have a role in that conversation, which... I don't know, you might be shocked to hear this. That's a little hard for me sometimes. So knowing when to be quiet is also, I think, really important to understand in boardroom etiquette. I'm going to also say this. Being a yes man is not the right answer. And in my career, maybe I've judged a little bit in this area, they'll come in, the executives in our company, right, will come in and they'll have a directive of sorts, whatever the directive is. And you have people, sometimes peers, colleagues that will say, yes, yes, yes. 
whatever you say. And then I'll, I'll go back and do whatever you say, whatever you say. And I don't think that's healthy, honestly. And I'm going to talk about that. So don't, if my boss is watching this, let, just know I'm, I'm not finished with this conversation yet. To say yes when you haven't taken the time to discern whether that will work for you, right? Whether that will work for your operation, whether you're going to have challenges with that. And also, I've seen in the past where the yes man was also not the man that was actually going to carry out the activity when he went back to his operation. So if you're yesing in the boardroom and you're not the one that's going to have to carry out that difficult task, that really isn't okay either. So again, just bear with me on this conversation because I'm not going to end here. But being a yes man, I don't believe works in the boardroom. Sometimes we do need to shake our head. Sometimes we just need to listen. And sometimes we do need to know when it's not our opportunity to give our input or our opinion. That's not what I'm talking about here. But I don't think being a yes man is the right answer. I also don't think being a no man is the right answer. What do I mean by that? Being defensive is not the answer. No, 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 can't do that. We could call that negative Nelly, right? We could call that a lot of things. But saying no, being defensive, being pessimistic, that's not the right answer in the boardroom. These are two extremes, right? But no pause. I'm going to divert for a second. Because when I first started with the company, I've mentioned before that my company, American Pioneer, was acquired in early 04, which meant that as a leader of direct operations, I got a seat in the boardroom, right? I was once a month, typically. Every now and then we'd miss a month. But as a rule, once a month, I was sitting in the boardroom in corporate, right? And in those moments, I was new, right? New kid on the block. I wanted the new company, the executives that were now my bosses, to know that I was smart. And I remember in one particular instance, I was being questioned about something and I kept on trying to drive my point, drive my point, drive my point. And in my mind, in just Susan's mind, nobody else's, I was trying to show them that I knew my numbers, that there were reasons why I was making the decisions I was making and I was intelligent. And finally, I look up and a counterpart, Mark, was sitting behind my boss and he's doing this. He's literally doing this to me. So we get through the meeting. Mark pulls me aside. He said, Susan, We've all tried it. It doesn't work. And again, I remember saying, but Mark, I promise I wasn't being defensive. I just wanted him to know I'm intelligent. And Mark said, Susan, you have a seat at the table. They know you're intelligent, but you need to listen better and you need to answer the questions that are asked and you need to not be argumentative. And in that moment, I wanted to say to Mark one more time, but Mark, I wasn't being argumentative, but I had to relax and understand that that's not how I was perceived. About a month later, my boss called me and he said, hey, Susan, remember that meeting? It's a little more professional than, hey, Susan, remember that meeting? He said, do you really think you're going to win when you're arguing with me, with your peers, my subordinates in the room? And again, I didn't think I was arguing, but apparently everybody else in the room did think I was arguing. So I'd say this, saying less is more, listening, responding and not being defensive, and I'm going to use a different word that would have worked for me back then, not trying to improve your intelligence, I think are really important tips for the boardroom. And I also think that if we really want to know the truth lies in the middle, right? What does that mean? I say in the middle of being a yes man and a no man, right? I'll do whatever you say, I'll do whatever you say, I'll do whatever you say. 
or a defensive person. And again, whether that's you trying to overexplain yourself can also translate to defensiveness. The truth is in the middle, being honest, not overstating, doing my very best, doing your very best. Listen to this, to create a field view, meaning the people in the trenches doing the work, creating a field view to the people, the executives in the company. I'm gonna say that again. The really good deliverers in the boardroom, being the subordinate in the boardroom, doing my very best to not overstate, being honest but to the point, and doing my very best to create a field view. So in other words, as succinctly as I possibly can, share with the upper executives in my company what the people doing the work are experiencing. And I'll tell you that there was time when our company nationally was looking at a new software, right, for the entire company. And the upper management really thought they were sold on all the bells and whistles. They thought because they were told by the creators of this software that it could do so many things better than what the current software system we had. And we had all in this room, people that were, and it wasn't me, but it was people that were on my team, right? That they were um, trying out this software program. They were exploring it. They were hands-on with the software program. And as the executives came into the room and they're telling us all the bells and whistles, how great it is, there were several people in the room that were saying, they were nodding their head. And I knew that everybody in the room knew that wasn't the case. So I took the opportunity to succinctly say, that's not what the team that is doing the trial run on the software is experiencing. What you're being told, and I, I'm certain that at a higher level, the software system can do, practically speaking, it's not what is being proven. It's not what it's proving to be able to do down in the trenches. But I needed to know when to stop making my point. So again, be honest, be transparent, be succinct. Make sure you are delivering the message that the people doing the work have given to you in a positive manner with opportunity for your company, for the executives above you to shift, right? To pivot, to change, to tweak the plan, but make your point and move on. And I think that's some of the lessons that I have learned in the boardroom. And then, honestly, no one to laugh, no one not to laugh, okay? So there might have been this one time that there were 20 of us, easily 20 of us in the room. Big table on the 13th floor, 14th floor, whatever the big executive floor was at the time in our corporate office. All right, I'll tell you how long ago it was. For those of you that have ever had a BlackBerry, there was somebody, my level colleague, sitting in one of these large chairs and a lot of um, probably three or four executives above our level were in the room. And this gentleman was pretty tall and he leaned over because he dropped his BlackBerry on the floor. And with that, he fell out of his chair, like toppled on the floor. And honestly... I did anything I think a normal human being would do, and I started to laugh. Nobody else in the boardroom was laughing. So I quickly composed myself and stopped laughing. But the whole time I was thinking, who do I work with? Like, who are these people that don't think this is funny? And I have to tell you, throughout the meeting, I just said, you're supposed to be engaged. You're supposed to listen. You're supposed to focus. Honestly, my lip quivered through the rest of the meeting because I just thought it was so funny. So I want to say this, like, there's a human part. So I left the meeting 
And again, Din, the only appropriate thing I thought of, and I know that this kind of speaks against the water cooler podcast I did, but I did call somebody that works for me and probably laughed till I cried for about 30 minutes in the car on the way home. And I will also tell you this, the next time we were all at happy level with the higher level executives, I just did say, like, honestly, what's wrong? Like, why did no one think that was funny? So we were able to laugh about it retrospectively. But again, in the boardroom, I guess we have to be mature and we have to know when it's funny, but we're not allowed to laugh and we have to keep our composure because I'm at, I imagine at some level they had a timeline on that meeting and they needed us all to get out there and out of there and not have a laughing break. So there's my funniest boardroom story that I have to share and that I think I grew up a little bit in that meeting, but I did digress afterwards when I shared the story on my way home. And I also, let's get back to the serious point. We get directives in these meetings and sometimes we get directives that maybe we particularly wouldn't have asked for, right? But I also want you to know, well, no buts about it. I am also wise enough to know that we are a Fortune 200 company. We are publicly traded. We have stockholders, right? Shareholders. And we have people that our board of directors are accountable to. Investors, the list goes on beyond, right? My scope of knowledge. So when I get those directives, I am intelligent enough to understand it's bigger than me. It's bigger than the operation that I'm running, but I have chosen to work for this company and I do speak my mind in all the ways I already said that I do, right? I've gotten better at that. I know when to stop. But when I leave those board meetings, I need you to understand as an audience here and anybody that works for me that's watching that I tow the company line and I tow the company line because I believe in my company. So even if the directive wouldn't have been something I chose. I understand that it's bigger than my knowledge. And I know that I've chosen to work for this company and it's my job to find the positivity in it so that I can deliver it in a way, not as a yes man or a yes woman, but as a person that works for a company that I believe in. And, and listen, I'm going to say this and this might sound harsh, but if you're working for a company that you leave the boardroom and you don't believe in the directive, maybe you shouldn't work for that company. But my experience has been that I work for Fidelity National Financial, Fortune 200 company, because we are the best, because we are the best in the country, both with market share and with profitability. And they didn't get that way because they give poor directives. And by the way, I said something earlier in the conversation about grace. If the directive is something that they choose down the road to move off of, like that software system. They deserve my respect, they deserve my loyalty, and they deserve me to leave and find a way to demonstrate to the people that work for me, I believe in the company that I work for and that we will do our very best to carry the directive out in the best possible way that we can. So again, so many lessons that I take away from the boardroom and I am very proud to say, 30 years with this company, April of 93, I started and I have zero regrets and I will continue to visit the boardroom. I will continue to try not to laugh inappropriately. I will continue to try to listen, try to grow, try to be better, try to give my input in a way that demonstrates I'm open-minded but intelligent, but never look defensive. So there you have etiquette for the boardroom. 
Thank you again for listening to People and Profit with me, Susan West. Remember to like, share, and leave a comment for us. Your feedback is truly appreciated and important to us. Also, be sure to follow us. We're on Instagram at the reframe underscore FNT. We're on Facebook at the reframe. And we're on LinkedIn at the reframe FNT. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. You'll see us again. Wait and see what the next topic is. I think honestly, it will be just as exciting as this one. See you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to The Reframes, People and Profit with me, Susan West. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is a Stockworth Studios production.